How about now? How about now? How about now, Kathy? How about now? <laughs> All right, we are back and live. Kathy, what episode are we on? Since you can't talk, you can type. <laughs> For everybody that's listening, Kathy is unable to talk today because she is getting kind of sick. So she is in chat, but we have her spouse, uh, James, in here, and he is going to be uh, talking in on everything right now. Um, if you are watching in Facebook, uh, we are going to be putting up a poll in just a second um, where you can tell Gonza what color to paint his army. If not, don't worry about it because we will have a poll up here in just a second for all of our people on Twitch. If you're watching on Twitch, here is your poll incoming. <laughs> I did not have to switch Facebook. No, you didn't. Yes, Files, you did not have to switch Facebook. We did actually come back. All right, here's the poll, guys. I will be, I'll show you the colors in just a second, um, but I wanted to get this poll started. Uh, it's mythical orange and jungle green. One of them, one of those two colors must go on my cats uh, for Breach Storm. And you will need to choose which one. Um, I mean, wouldn't it have to be the green? Because doesn't mythical orange not really exist because it's mythical? Uh, but this is a cool mythical orange. So here are the two colors. I don't know if you can see them really. Oh, you actually can't see them because we're not on the hobby section yet. Uh, but here are the two colors. Um, the green's a little bit bright. It's kind of a brighter green, not a darker green. And then the orange is uh, a little bit darker, not a bright fire orange. You um, should do both. That's right, Kathy. Orange and green can go together. Correct. Fine. But I want to do one one color. And what other color I don't pick is going to go on my uh, human squad. Um, so there it is. Uh, guys, we are doing some more testing on everything to make sure everything's working because we're trying a different program out. So if anything goes weird or sounds weird, please let us know. Um, so we can get... cursing unexpectedly. Yep. Unexpectedly. Not the expected kind. So, um, this is our first screen. Um, John, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm going to start with a uh, shot of this uh, Maryland Moonshine Sweet Apple Pie. That's going to make me realize I'm alive because it's a little harsh. But <laughs> And then, uh, for a shock, my second drink has nothing to do with Dr. Pepper. What? I know, right? What? Uh, so, little story time. Uh, I tried some of the, uh, uh, what's that, orange vanilla Coke? Yeah. And I uh, have found that uh, while on its own, it basically is vanilla Coke with maybe a hint of orange. Uh -huh. It does mix pretty well with uh, vodka and with vanilla whiskey. But it mixes exceptionally well with 43 vanilla liqueur. Nice. But most things do. So that's my drink afterwards. James, what's your uh, drink for the night? Oh, no, Kathy. Straight room for the third bad. That, no bad. Abort. Abort. <laughs> For me, my only choice was either rubbing alcohol or make my own homemade rum chata, so I chose the latter. Oh, you didn't make your own rubbing alcohol? Dang, that'd have been awesome. Rubbing alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, am going to be drinking another Mother's Mother Familias. Uh, it's a barrel-aged imperial stout. Um, really, really good. Um, really, really high in alcohol. Um, about 11% for a beer, but it's okay. Um, I'm really enjoying this. Wow. I just got a, that we're being hosted by 500,000 viewers. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, very well. Um, so, 
Um, so it's 11, 11% beer. It's really good. It's got a good sweet flavor from the end of it. I really like it. John, do we need to do a cheers out to anybody? Uh, not that I know of. It's been, quote unquote, a good week. Let's say, quote unquote. Good. So, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, just a fair warning, we will not be on, we will not be on next week because that is Adepticon. We're going to take a break. And plus, Kathy's going to give us a really good review when she gets back. Cheers. 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 Oh, oh. Woo. Ooh, man. That's so good. All right, I'm going to switch it over to our temporary uh, painting cam. Temporary painting cam. Um, and uh, will it we hobby? Oh, I mean, I could do that too, actually, now, as funny as it is. I'm not going to, but I could. <laughs> Correct. Well, look, I completed a model today. The jobs are good. The jobs are good. Um, so, guys, like I said, we're testing out a few things uh, because XSplit is giving us a problem. And right now, we're sitting at only like a 16% CPU uh, with this new program. And XSplit was putting us at 80 or 90%. So, it's pretty good. Pretty good, guys. Mine. That's, that's good stuff. It is good stuff. Um, and Kathy, uh, when we get done um, with the podcast, I need to talk with you just for a little bit. I think you're going to be happy. So, um, today I'm going to be working on one of my blacksmith models. J- Excuse me. James, what are you working on today? Desperately trying to finish off some NCUs for Song of Ice and Fire. So, we've got Circe here, and I think this might be the High Seneschal. He's another one of my guys here, and somewhere in the room I've got... Ah, here he is. So I'm just going to add my final details on the mountain that rides, and yes, he is this freaking big. Oh, yeah. We'll hold up Cersei by comparison. So, yeah, he's a big one right Holy there. shit. Yep, trying to finish off the uh, flayed men here, get them all done, and this is some of the freehand that I had to do. So this was my initial unit of the Hobbitiers. That is legit. Love these figures. So here, oh, here's my Knights of Castlery Rock. So you inspire me, though. My ex-wife would be like, "Why would I ever paint? I can't paint like that." Like that's that's not the point. You get inspired. Let's see if I can back out my can. I can back it out a little bit so they can see it. So yeah, all of the crazy freehand stuff times four, and each of these guys also has the same stuff on his cloak that the infantry had. And then, yeah, snow effects and lots of non-metallic metals. And here's my Holbert unit. So it's been a while since I had a chance to do unit-wide Sky Earth non-metallic metal. And that was a blast. And people have actually gone in. They've tried to say, okay, which of these guys is reflecting the guy next to him? And they're like looking in their helmets at the reflections to make sure they actually <laughs> reflect the right guy next to them. So yeah, we've, the, my last step is I still have to magnetize this tray. But I love these miniatures because these halberds, every single weapon, every sword, every whatever, comes out perfect. Instead of having to reforge it like most metal swords or whatever, these things, they're they're just made out of a hard plastic. And yeah. they're pretty much perfect right out of the box. Nice. And you don't have to deal with all of the very painful things that we're used to dealing with. Warped models. They're legit. Oh, yeah. And, and most of the NCUs, they're just, these are one-piece figures. Well, every piece is a one-piece figure. But when you got guys like this, the folds are actually folds. Now, I think I was doing a live stream on one of my, I think it was one of the Savage Giants. And all of a sudden, someone gets on and says, I sculpted that. I said, what? Turns out was one of the guys from Big Chow Creatives. And they're the guys that sculpted all of the Song of Ice and Fire miniatures, which explains why cloth looks like cloth, the people look like people. <laughs> instead of 
vaguely humanoid with humanoid parts. <laughs> That's hilarious. The reason why so, people yeah, look it's... like people. It looks like they have good, good inherent definition and a lot of good de- de- detail and none of that what I like to call bad detail. They try to keep the extra stuff to a minimum. It's, it's I don't want to say a blank canvas, but well, like this, all of this stuff I could do, the see-through dress and the filigree on it, because it was just, there was nothing already sculpted in there. Now, I think to help people out on stuff like a like this Flayed Man banner, they will have the design already there. Mm-hmm. But I can see that because 99% of people are either not going to want to do that or maybe wouldn't know how to do that. So it's it's one way to help people out. And most of the people who, can, who will paint a banner, like just straight up paint a whole banner, know how to convert a banner onto there. It's not their first rodeo. Yeah. What, yeah, uh, you, while you're talking about this, and since you're going to be playing this at Adepticon, what do you think about the game so far? Because it's not, it, it hasn't really taken off anywhere. Um, and, and I'm kind of curious, what do you think about the Song of Ice and Fire miniature game? It's actually, believe it or not, it is starting to, I think at first people said, well, there's just two factions. Well, there's just three factions. Now you've got basically the four main factions, but with all the Boltons and everything else, you can create infinite number of armies. So let's say my army has four combat units. If I keep those exactly the same, but change out these NCUs every time, I get 10 totally different armies. Because one of the things that comes with the game is this. So you have these basically action cards. Yeah. And what, what these let you do is each one has a different ability. And that is huge. Uh, that is, it changes your entire game around. So if you've got, well, here's Craster. So when he does stuff, it's very different than what Cersei does. I, I've noticed a lot of other games are doing that now. Uh, just I know we're kind of off topic for a second, guys, but this is actually pretty relevant because um, James, while you're at Adepticon, and I'm, I'm making this as a joke, when you get some free time, ha 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 ha, <laughs> uh, go check out Parabellum Games and their Conquest um game that they got there uh they are doing something similar to what a lot of people are doing that there's a deck of cards that augment and change up the way i i'm i'm mad because i really wanted to go demo their stuff because they have some really awesome models and i've read the basic rule set and i wanted to pick up a couple of things and i was just like oh well, just couldn't think, get to when you think about it even gw and uh and other ffg games are doing similar stuff but not Correct. entirely the same GW it's command points, but by putting out the cards, it sort of gets that physical aspect in there, so you can easy reference. And then uh, Legion's doing it with their uh, with the command cards. Correct. It, it's a cool little extra function. I mean, I'm glad people are embracing it because too often, uh, let's say the old grognards get upset with like, you can't add cards to my miniature game. What you doing? Yeah. No, this I'm is gonna... really it's different because there's nothing. How shall we say it? There's nothing set in stone. Because I've played games where it's you don't even bother rolling the dice. It's like, that's dead. Just just here, it's dead. I'll take it off the table. But here, you could have some cards in your hand, and you say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I'm going to say, okay, that's great. I got these cards. I'm going to do this, this, and this. So you can't just walk up to things and go, all right, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to march through, kill this next thing. You can try and do that, and the other guy's waiting for you to do that. <laughs> yes. It, and it actually has a little bit of the Lord of the Rings aspect, too, where you've got those might points. Yep. You have finite resources, and you're trying to get that sucker to spend those on things he really shouldn't be. And basically make him waste valuable resources trying to stop things that you don't really care about. 
which makes it more of a kind of a mind game and the it's it's partially objectives and the way they've made constructed the game castling in the corner is not going to work for you because yeah. the game can end at any time and there there's missions with hidden objectives some with objectives both guys can do or missions i should say and the more battle reports that i watch and the more i'm figuring out this thing i see now why all like 72 slots were filled up at adepticon which oh, yeah. shocked me i was not expecting that i really thought that it would be not full but apparently it is well there was uh going off on that that right now um everything filled up really quickly uh like arena rex arena rex isn't a huge game it's not you know extremely you know the top thing but that filled up extremely quickly i mean there was a ton of games that was like boom done boom done and people are like well shit um this is you know what people consider side games because they're not the big you know 40k and whatever and i'm like shit screw it if it works go play it so remember everyone's side some people idea of the side game is somebody's main main game game. correct and and that's what that's what we were talking about um because guild ball is starting to get a little bit more push up in our area um and I'm like, I'm all for it. Whatever. Just go play yeah, games. Go have fun. Yeah, just enjoy it. You know, get get a crew together. Work out with your, your local store and all. Get your time and start, you know, just supporting the games you like. Yeah. Um, Kondo. Say, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, Kondo, if you, if you do do that, let me know. Um, I know I'm going to try to send a friend of mine to go pick up some uh, new, uh, one of their models. I want one of their alien, large four-legged alien models because I just think that thing is cool as shit. And see if I can pick up some of their stuff where they have, because um, I know that, that they're they're an overseas company or uh, a Spain, from Spain I think is where they are, and so I want to I want to get some of their stuff before I have to pay all the shipping and everything. Which my my local guys could get it, but if I can just get you know whatever, I'm happy with it. It's always hard to get stuff from those smaller uh, smaller companies. That actually may be a minis and movie topic coming up between yeah. that and the uh, stuff with Asmodee might be worth it. Since people wanted to hear me rant about that. Not going to happen on the regular cast, but maybe on the minis and movies. Yeah. Um, but, all right, guys, here are the two colors I wanted. I want you to choose between for my cat people. Um, either the Mythic Orange or Jungle Green. Uh, these are the Army Painter War Paints uh, that I want to uh, use. So I'm going to leave it up to the viewers to decide which is going to be their primary color. Doesn't mean I'm not going to add Mythic Green if y'all train, or Jungle Green if it's Mythical Orange, but well, one of them has to be the primary color. That's a, that's a great segue point for going into our topic. Correct. Because I can't answer that question because I need other details. Like what other details are you looking for? Well, I need to know what color you're painting their skin because you can't choose a paint scheme of the models independent of a, sort of a skin color uh, for them because it needs, it, it needs to work together a little bit. You know, I haven't decided what my actual skin tone is going to be for my cats yet. I don't know if I want to do them as, you know, jaguars or, you know, tigers or what. I haven't or, decided. Uh, panthers yet. or leopards. Or yeah, or, yeah, or any, any, any of the different varieties of cats. Sassy cats. Sassy cats. Siamese cats. I haven't decided grumpy yet. Grumpy cats. They must be grumpy cats. Oh, my grumpy God. Grumpy cats. Does. Give them all kind of what thing. What's the <laughs> army size in song? Oh, Hey, uh, James, what's the army size? How big are your armies when you're filled for a tournament? Tournaments are typically 40, and the, the three main sizes are 30, 40, and 50 points. It seems like most tournaments tend to be 40. I think when you're, when you're going up to 50, you're going to 
be more on like say a six by four table, and I'm sure here they want to keep everything to a four by four to maximize space. Oh yeah, and be able to use that two two by four spacer in between. How many models is that though? Is it forty models? Oh geez, no. Uh, my forty point army has eight cavalry guys, those twelve halberdiers, and the mountain that rides. That's all that's going to be on the table. That's it. Everything else is the NCUs, and all of these, these aren't even on the table. So imagine you're playing a game of 40K, and mm, Guliman is off off table, and he's sending extra weapons, or he, he makes your, for that round, your bolters are going to hit with a plus one. The next round, he does something else, and your enemy has a minus one to shoot. Or the, these are the guys that, that do the machinations off board. There's some, especially, say, for... Like Craster here, he has more of a healing type thing. So when you combine him with Night's Watch, it would be a little bit like, okay, Space Marines, you put him on the money bags and you already heal two guys and maybe potentially D3 more if you control something else. So they basically try to make you have to control as many things as possible to get all of those bonuses, which now makes it obvious what you're trying to do. So it's probably about, what, 20 models or so on a 4x4? Oh, yeah, I would say tops. Now, if you go more more infantry, you might have 38, but that's three units to 12, and then maybe a few characters like this assault veteran here because he does some special things okay. to, to the squad here. And that that's the big thing. I wish I had that in here to, to show you, but it's that off-board stuff that's really a big deal because you have to choose, literally, because it's not you go all your stuff and then I go. It's you move a unit, then I activate a unit. And you might be activating one of these guys. So let's say I activate Circe and I put her on the crown. First thing she's probably going to try and do is make one of your units do a panic test. Probably attach yourself to one of your units to make them panicked. And then make you have lots of minuses to roll that panic test. And she's probably going to do that when you're standing right next to a bunch of corpse piles. Because you can act, your whole unit can literally melt away just by one of these off-board characters doing something like a morale test. So let's say your unit is kind of beat up. It's down to maybe four or five guys in there. You can bet she's going to try and stack as many negatives as she can onto that unit and hit it with her activation. You may use another. There's another guy called, uh, what is his name? Uh, Varus, and he can actually negate something like that so that you can't necessarily, again, there's not a lot of guarantees in this game whatsoever. And I can look up what this guy's ability, I've got his card up right now. So his ability is influence. When he claims one of the tactic zones off board, he can influence a unit and give me plus two, which is important because Lannisters tend to have lower morale. And you can bet, because I got so few combat units, people are going to try and whack me with as many panic tests as they can. And it becomes even more important when you're doing, I think it's Feast for Crows, because every time you fail a panic test, your unit is worth more victory points. So imagine you're, you know, your Space Marine, just regular assault squad or something like that, instead of being worth basically one kill point, might be worth six by the end of the game because they've had to make so many panic tests or morale tests, and they've somehow managed to fail them. And that, that's kind of the interaction that you get with these off-board guys that I've never seen anything like it before. So your, your deck building, your try and maneuver, and this is ranks and flanks also. That I guess that was the other... I've been looking for God knows how long for a replacement for my <laughs> ranks and flanks. I tried Kings of War. That didn't work out so well. And someone... I didn't even know about this. 
till last year at Reprecon when Jim from Dark Sword walks up to me and says, so Jim, what do you think of Song of Ice and Fire? And I said, Song of what? He said, Song of Ice and Fire. Now, again, never read the books, never saw the show, so I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. He says, you know, Kickstarter, miniatures, stuff. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he brought over the box, and when he opened up the box and showed me what the figures were like, I said, wait a minute, this is how they come right out of the box? He says, yep. And I said, ah, yeah. And it's, it's a ranks and flanks game. It's, it's actual, you have to rotate, you have to move a certain movement, and, and getting hit in the rear is bad. He says, oh, yeah. It's all the stuff you would expect from ranks and flanks. Yeah. But check this out. So, on a, Are you there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so going to the, the about painting your army, and you're painting yours. Are you painting them studio scheme, or are you painting them your scheme? This, unfortunately, has to be total uh, studio scheme because they'll be using these. And all the tutorials that I've been making with these, it, that kind of makes me have to go official. But normally, for me, it's as unofficial as can possibly be. Like okay. my Zinch like Tainted Tomb Kings. That's cool. Oh, I love those. I absolutely love those. My first thing was, okay, there can be no gold. There can be no red. There can be no turquoise. There can't even be purple in this army because I've seen that as the alternate, you know, to the blue and red and gold Tomb Kings. Mm -hmm. I said, well, that doesn't leave me a hell of a lot of colors left until we were watching, I think it was Secrets of the Dead on PBS, and there was this thing about the Silver Pharaoh. The name was Susanes. And apparently in those days, silver was worth a lot more than gold. And he had a sarcophagus made out of silver to show how wealthy and powerful he was. And I said, silver tomb kings? What could this be? And then I thought of Necrons, glowing green. Okay, well, why would tomb kings be silver with glowing green stuff? And then I thought, well, I read something in the book that tomb kings actually don't want to be dead. They, they want to be alive again. And I thought, well, Zinch God kind of looks a little bit like one of the Egyptian gods. He shows up and says, well, I'll make you all real boys again. You just got to do something for me first. <laughs> make you real boys again. And as soon as the tomb king goes, yes, every everything that's gold turns to like mercury. So it becomes every color of the rainbow. His little pet parakeets become giant two-headed carrion birds with multicolored wings. The statues turn blue and start walking around. All kinds of bad stuff happens. And basically the idea is that the Zinch God taints his tomb cities so that when Empire and Bretonians come questing in his lands, they take the stuff and they bring it all back, and he starts to corrupt the old world kind of by default. And that was that was sort of the story of the army because I had to figure out some reason why they got the, their asses handed to them so often. <laughs> because somebody didn't know how to write their rules. But we had to come up with a more story-type explanation for that. And that worked. And I did a, a giant, basically, Tomb City display board for it. I painted demon marble on all the bases. It was pretty insane. It was about a year-and-a-half project because every single skeleton was painted different than the next. Even their bones were sort of tainted and turning pink and green and everything else because you know reasons well okay so you chose your tomb kings based off of watching a documentary um yep. type thing which you got inspired by that john i know that you were working on your models recently for your 40k 
And yep. you asked us, and we were like, I just went with, you know, you said you wanted this color, and I went with the opposite on the good old handy-dandy color wheel is all I did. <laughs> I just went, oh, John wanted green, yellow. Do a violet. That's all I did is I looked at this and went, oh, this is what you should do. Um, what what was your ultimate reason for choosing your paint scheme for your guys? Well, so I go a lot of different ways. I mean, uh, and we can sort of uh, cover them all. Yeah, go you for know, it. James uh, went with the you know the theme behind it, the story and all. Sometimes a story like that does lead to a color scheme. Um, other times, I'll go example. I just finished Axemillion. He's one of the uh, Rogue Trader. He's part of the the Squad of Dudes, the Rogue Trader. And look at them. I decided I'm going to paint them in sort of uh, old GI Joe Crimson Guard color. So that that paint scheme was easy peasy. You know, it's an easy one. They already exist. They've already sort of been you know you know made to work. So all you can do is find good reference and then maybe change some parts that don't work. You know, and then paint like that. So th that's an easy one, you know. But, uh, for example, when I was painting him, I realized that theoretically all the leather and all was going to be black. So since he's sort of a Doberman type, I didn't want to paint him black also because that becomes way too dark of a model. Yeah. You don't get or you have to make too much difficulty to try and separate the straps from him. So I made him a dark brown instead. And then as it has, it happens. I didn't like the black straps. So I ended up painting them a light, you know, sort of just standard leather brown. But he still ended up looking pretty good. You can go check him out on Facebook and Twitter. He is there, and I'm pleased with him. But that's sort of the stealing a paint scheme from somebody. <laughs> and you know, don't feel bad about that. Something oh, no. you know, if you like, you know, you get inspiration from all sorts of things. If you really like, you know, you know, like Crimson Guard or Cobra or whatever, steal their paint scheme. Paint stuff up like that. It's all good like that. It's all good. Um, but then it gets to the like you you chose the color wheel and said like you want this color, I'm going to choose the one that's opposite. Yeah. You know, but to be fair, I actually don't have a color wheel because A, I can find it on the internet and B, I'm much more organic than that. <laughs> Just because it's opposite doesn't mean it's going to look good with it, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, it yeah. Should. But uh, the models in question were my uh, my Caterpillar Breachers for my uh, Admech army. And I started off, I was using a green. I want to use this green was the point of it. Um it's more like I want to use this brass color for metallic stuff and some metallic stuff, and I want to use this green. And then I went from there. Like, okay, I've got two colors I want to use, you know, a main color and then like a, a tertiary color sort of. And then, you know, we chatted back and forth, you, me, and Kathy, about what a good secondary color would be and came up with the sort of uh, red, uh, I guess, technically ended up being sort of a reddish brown. And, you know, a lot of paint schemes, you know, go like that, but. Um, Sometimes you just got to keep testing. Like, uh, if you guys follow my hobby streak, I've been testing um, certain parts of these guys for forever. Uh, you know, for the past several weeks, you know, I've been changing colors here or there. Like, I started off painting all the wires uh, my, my default dark gray. Because we all have default colors we go to. You know, it's like, I think, you know, wires should be dark gray with a black wash and a dry brush. Makes them look like wires, you know. Makes them neutral, not stand out. Generally doesn't detract from a model, doesn't add to a model, just sort of there. Um, but it wasn't working on these guys because the green's too similar. So I painted them a really, you know, brighter green now, and they stand out. They'll look a lot different when you wash them, but it gave it a good contrast. But that's back and forth on that, you know, decide what colors to paint them. And then if you've seen recently, I've been working on the glow on the gun and just back and forth over a ton of colors with that. And it is, it's a lot of trial and error sometimes. I am the poster child for a test model. If you can find me a single model to test on, I am usually super duper happy because then I can test and find out what I want to go where. So when I actually start painting them all, they go a lot quicker. Um, Congo, to answer your question, uh, test the game out for me. 
Let me what you, let me let me know what you think. Um, they're uh, going back quick because he asked a question a while back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Congo asked about the Conquest game coming out, and it's a new rank and flank game that's got some really cool models. Um, an alien race, uh, a Bretonian medieval type race, um, a dwarven race, and a um, Nord barbarian Viking type uh, race on it. And I read their basic core rules, and they're pretty neat. But it kind of just goes okay what about the you know what what do the races change about the thing so mm-hmm. <clears throat> i wanted to know about that <clears throat> but if they have demos i know last year they had a big old booth but i don't know if they were doing demos for it or not and i never got a chance to and i'm sad because i don't get to go this year and i really wanted to go and see that and test it out because i guess they went on a uh united states tour recently and drove all over the united states ending up at adepticon at the end of it Testing out their games, showing their games, so on and so forth, which I thought was kind of cool. I think they started in like California and drove across the states, testing it out for different people. Um, but yeah, if you could do that, swing by their booth. Let me know what you think. Um, I know my locals are looking for a new rank and flank game um, that they can get a hold of, and that was kind of one of them that people were thinking about. Um, so, John, you went with, hey, what just looks good? Yeah, I, that's often it. What looks good, test different colors here or there, uh, and just sort of find out what it is. What it is. What it be. What it be. Um, I know some people do uh, do studio scheme because they like the studio scheme. Like, I know there's like this. And it's just people giving each other a hard time that if your Kador models aren't red, you know, you're you're not Kador. And it's just it's just fun ribbing. There, nobody's going to actually give you hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, um, there are people that stick straight to studio schemes and won't change it because that's the way they like them. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you like. That's what you like. Remember, at the end of the day, you're the one that's like that model. If the paint scheme looks good to you, other people may not like it. Who cares? Yeah. You just got to like those. You're the one playing with those damn models. They ain't got to like them. You yep. got to like them. Yep, because you're the one that owns them. You have to... Yeah, if you want, like, all, you know, let's say sort of like Gonzo did his Grimkin and sort of like that black and white thing. But let's say you go one other. You just want your guys to be various shades of gray just because you want the new shades of gray. Do it. Yep. Um... But don't hesitate to, to go a little outside the box and try other things, even if the studio scheme. You know, say you're painting ultramarines, but you don't uh, you want some different bolter color than a red. I mean, the red bolter is, you know, classic and old school. Maybe you want something else. Maybe you don't want something that the bolter stand out that much. Um, then absolutely change it to whatever you want. But you, you got to have that sort of flexibility, that uh, agility with your paint scheme to uh, switch stuff up. And, and more so if you're imitating another paint scheme from some other game or from some other media, you got to have a little bit of agility to change up stuff that's not working. You know, if you're doing, uh, let's say, you're doing a standard Cobra Trooper, which is a very, very cool paint scheme because it's uh, blue and black, not a lot there, you, you got to be able to maybe agility to throw some splash of color here or there for something. You know, just, uh, just something to liven it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, because you can, I mean, at the end... They're your models, and you paint them however you want. I mean, I know that we joke about it, but someone painted up their whole entire entire Space Marine army look like Hello Kitty. Yeah, that's fine. Go for that's it. It's your army. Inspiration's good. Yeah, I mean, and so you can do that. Don't you know? Don't let anybody change it. But there are some people that do like to have unit coherency. Now, yes. um, for the most part, for non rank and flank armies. Your units are going to look pretty similar to begin with. You're going to have a little bit of um, overall paint scheme, a color that they're all into, or, you know, a color that they're all using, you know, your primary <coughs> color. But for some of them, 
they don't. They just have, you know, part of them have one color that's into it. Um, like all Space Marines, for the most part, when you pay up a Space Marines army, they're all going to look mostly the same. Pretty uniform, because, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, power armor is power armor. Correct. Unless you differentiate it, which, you know, I love about the uh, various, uh, like, let's say, Blood Angels are the best example, where different units get different helmet colors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool, but you don't have to do that. If you want them all just to be Blood Angels right all the way through and use something else, do something else. You know, you can't be slavishly devoted to a scheme um, uh, your own, if you're painting your own stuff, and uh, you have to be able to change it up where you want because they are your models. And uh, you don't, if you don't like it, uh, don't paint the studio scheme. Uh, Jason Henley on Facebook said, when you paint Panoceana Crimson Red, and they're sort of always that sort of blue and metallic color. You know, they're sort of the ultramarines of, with you will, of infinity. When you paint them crimson red, do it, man. That's if that's what you like, do it. Yeah, I mean, it's yours. You get to do what you want. Um, but I mean, usually most armies have a theme of some sort, and mm-hmm. that right there really kind of defines on how and what you're gonna do with that army. Uh, for like now, my blacksmith that I'm painting here, I, I'm doing them as they were just blacksmiths. They're gonna be earth tones, you know browns and different shades of brown and that's pretty much how they're going to be now this guy i'm doing right here uh anvil uh i'm going to do his beard red just so it gives it a little pop and -hmm. changes him out a bit but for the most part i mean i'm going to wash out his apron cape thing he's got going here um and then i'm going to highlight up his you know leathers and then his skin i'm going to do it you know as a darker skin tone because i mean he's sitting in front of a forge all day type thing but I mean, what's well, another good one is is skin tones uh, with humans, especially since there's a ton, a ton of skin tones there. Do some changes with that if you want to make them stand out. Um, you know, let's say you're not using the brown jar and you just had a lot of lighter colors on him. You could go with a dark skin, like an actual, you know, really dark skin. Yeah. Wanted to that would make him stand out a bit. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, you can do it any way you want. It is your model. But, I mean, there usually is a theme of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. I know at one point uh, somebody uh, was painting up a bunch of uh, griffins for Circle and painting them up all American flags and their wings were American flags, and that's just what he wanted to do. And I'm like, do it. more power to you. It's your model. You can do what you want. Yeah, I mean, a theme is good. That'll help you get a paint scheme real quick. You know, and the good thing about a theme is, like, you, you already have that I know what is going to be where. Yeah. Uh, which I find, and I, I mean, I'm going to imagine James doesn't have that problem. Look at how quickly that model's progressing. But uh, I need to know what's going to go where or I cannot paint quickly. Yeah, uh, a little paint card. And I know a lot of painters, as one of our local guys, he does a lot of painting for people. And he's good. He, he actually painted a bunch of my Kador for Adepticon uh, two years ago because I was running behind. And I'm like, hey, I'll pay you this if you paint all my Winter Guard. And I said, this is the paint scheme I want. And so what he did is he took a 3 by 5 note card and put down the colors on the note card, wrote what they were and where they went. So he mm-hmm. knew, you know, what, what, what was what and what was there. And I think that's a really good idea for a lot of people because I totally forgot how I did this guy right here. Um, and yeah, I need to do that. Some, some variety next to you when you're painting just yes. to write down. Especially if it's something new type thing. Yep. Yep. Yes. I like looking at already painted dudes know where color changes happen. I mean, when I painted these, uh, these servers I'm working on these cataphrim breachers, um, when I, I got the first one, like, all right, I know where everything's going to be now. 
worked on the other ones. I was working from memory, and I actually screwed something up. I painted part that was supposed to be the reddish, uh, you know, tertiary secondary color, uh, metallic rather, you know, rather than the red. So that's a that's a boo boo. But you know, you know, you, you model sort of look at them, reference them, see where you're supposed to put what color. And if it's not working, don't don't be hesitant to make your models different. I know it's a unit game; people want their units to look the same, but you know, making them a little bit individual isn't bad either. No. You know, if the colors aren't working, don't keep going with them. And uh, Kathy will tell you if you paint uh, thin enough, you know, you can just go right over the other colors. There are other tricks also if you need to, you know, get rid of a color and, and go back. Uh, I like the Q-tip with acetone real quick. Wipe off the color, you know, get some water, wipe off the acetone, let that uh, dry, and then go back at it. That way you don't uh, build up too many paint layers, which can happen, especially on a test model. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's you got to be a little fluid on your color choice sometimes. All right, let's see him sit for a minute let that paint dry. Yeah. I know the favorite army for me, theme-wise, even more than the Tomb Kings, was Marty and I, we did a team tournament for the Adepticon Fantasy, and we had Civil War dwarves, and mine were the, they were Chaos dwarves, and they were Confederate, and Marty's, we did the, the Iron Brigade, and they were Union, and it was called the Wretched Alliance of Appomattox, and we actually even built the Appomattox Courthouse, we actually dressed up for the parts, we pretty much role-played the parts, and I think I took some, basically some cow, plastic cow toys and turned the bull centaurs into basically Jeb Stewart and his cavalry. <laughs> I, I sculpted the caps on them, I sculpted plumes on their on their broad hats, and I had a little white, that little old plastic horse that would draw the gun for the old dwarf kits for fantasy, I turned that into Traveler. And Marty put black hats on all of his guys, and we basically threatened to shoot at each other the entire game, every game we played. We basically, <laughs> actually, the last game we played, we actually allied with the guys on the other side. So I alert, allowed, uh, I allied with a dwarf player on the other side because he was the English, and we drank tea, and the other guy was wood elves, and we just turned them into matchsticks. And we, I, I opened fire on my so-called Union allies, and we had a great time. But it was so much fun turning those dwarves into butternut and gray with the, the kepes and the backpacks and everything and taking away, obviously, the crossbows and turning those into muskets. Obviously, it was a set color. We had to use certain colors, but we just completely altered the miniatures for the theme. And that was just as, as Kathy, she could hear her. She and Kimberly heard Marty and I cackling in the other room as we were building the Appomattox Courthouse. And just adding one detail after another. I think I actually even scratch built one of the war engines. I don't know if it was the it was one of the flame spouting type things, and I wanted it to look a little bit more like it was from the age of steam. So I scratch built one of those. That was that was fun too. Well, I mean, if you're going to be just doing, um, like I said, some people paint stuff, you know, silly colors just to get a silly theme or whatever with it, and that's perfectly fine too because it's yours. Unless they're now. We do have to go that there are some people that they require their models to be painted a certain way. And it's a lot of historical ones. Uh, <laughs> and you know a lot about this, about painting uh -huh. historical miniatures. Uh, and those that's a different section than like this. Because it's not, we aren't going here for historical accuracy. But the people that do historical models, if you don't have the right kind of silver on that button, they could get pretty ticked off at you. Oh, they, there was people that were all mad at me that the British artillery, they had blue or red patches on their shoulders instead of blue. And my Falsham Jaegers, I was so terrified of the dreaded blue helmets 
that I made them Monte Cassino themed so that it would all be in basically a desert Mediterranean color. So I didn't have to worry about people yelling at me over blue helmets. Oh my God. I would. Oh, there was somebody that actually, they took the time to do an entire paint tutorial thing, put it out there for free. And all people did was say, well, that that's not the right shade of blue. That's not the right shade of grayish blue. Mm -hmm. I said, your face is not the right shade of grayish blue. You can leave now. It's a nicer thing that I would have said to them. Oh my goodness! It just and people will get crazy about. Well, you 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 can't weather it like that. It wouldn't weather that way in the desert, and they didn't have that. I had a unit uh, it was supposed to be my Soviet army, so Winter Soviet army, and with bolt action, you you're stuck with theaters. So if you can't have 1945 Germans fighting against 1939 Polish, it's just that's how they try and work this thing to make it more fair. Well, I was trying to make a winter Russian army that would basically work from 39 all the way up to 45. And that meant that, well, you'd have to change out certain weapons and units, but otherwise the, the uniforms were pretty much the same, mm -hmm. unless it was NKVD. And somebody went nuts because amongst the 40 miniatures that were out there, one of them had a captured Panzerfaust. And they just went berserk. They said, they didn't have those at Stalingrad, blah, blah, blah. I said, look... I'm not going to buy four different Soviet armies so that I can cover these different theaters. When I'm doing Stalingrad, they will not have those. They will just have rifles. Maybe some of them won't even have rifles because none of those guys did. Just just chill. But they wouldn't. They would not let it go. I just had to kill the threat because it was just pissing me off too much. Yeah, I mean, I'll be fair. I love historical guys to a point, but some of those guys are the definition of the most grognardy grognards. It was unbelievable and it's okay and there's a reason it kind of puts a limitation to the growth for a game yeah and i'm seeing new people come in and they're just all they want to do is have a little fun ask for a little advice and people really they beat on them so bad they just say man i think this was a mistake i think i'll just sell this stuff off and i've seen it more than once oh yeah it's unfortunate but don't take that from people if you painted an army and you like it don't take that from them Remember, the easiest way to end the argument is just to walk away. You don't need those people in your life. You don't need that kind of negativity. You'll find a place, uh, you know, hobby hangout or wherever, where people won't care what you paint. And they'll be like, that looks good. Right. Awesome job finishing it. They'll, they'll be supportive of you rather yeah. than, you know, you, you, you weathered that wrong. And, and you shouldn't worry about, oh, well, that Crimson Fist, well, they're, they're well, it's not Crimson Fist. They're Fuchsia Fists. But, you know, you got the Crimson Fist rules. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Unless you're painting something for a competition and they go, we are painting this. An example would be, uh, we're painting this army to look like what a natural, original World War II German army would look like back then. Then you should probably worry because they're going to grade you on, you know, competition-wise that, you know, you're not using the correct gray or red or whatever. But for the most part, you just paint what you want and paint how you want them. Remember, in most cases, the only standards limitations you set for yourself when painting are self-imposed. Yeah. There are no external, like, you must paint your ultramarines blue. No, your ultramarines are yellow. I don't care. Just tell me before the game they're ultramarines. Sounds good. You got rowboat painted in yellow? Looks good. Let's go. Yeah. Um, which, guys, don't forget, um, we are doing a poll uh, on Facebook and on Twitch uh, on what... I should paint my cats either the green or the orange as their primary color. Um, yeah, Facebook Jason Henley says, if you don't like it, feel free to paint my army for me. 
That is a good response also. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just do a vote and see what uh, you would do, because I'm going to go off of what everybody says. And hopefully have more than just one vote. There's like 13 of you. 16 people in there. Go in there and vote. What should I paint? My... To be fair, Jason can't see it in Facebook. Yes, I don't think he's been able to see it in Facebook yet. Okay, well, Jason, which one? And John will record it for you. Green yep. or orange? And it's these Speak little chat you. people. I'm going to throw a couple more of these uh, comments in. Uh, Xander Boyd says, sometimes you just need to pick colors that no one uses. Absolutely. If there's a color you wish to use in a model, figure out what that color is, use it on the model, then you can make the rest of the colors match with that color. That is perfectly acceptable, just because you want to use that color. That is good. Um, what is it? Uh, Necrotic Green by P3 is an extremely, extremely yeah. bright green, and I love it. And I painted up my um, Retribution in that color and dry brushed it with a yellow and how that color do what you should have done the towel that color uh i there's i'm still super green. yeah super green <laughs> um i may do that because i just got a new cold star commander and i can test that out but yeah. what was interesting was is my list had two colossals in it and they were painted that necrotech necrotite green and i put them out there uh there should be a pole you just got to someone. No, he, he's on the Twitch app. Oh, gotcha. Just let us know. Um, put it on there. If you want green, say green. If you want orange, say orange. And John will just keep track of it. He's cool like that. Um, but what was interesting is when they were taking photos of armies and stuff, and people were taking photos, they instantly went over to my stuff and goes, we saw this from halfway across the room because it was a bright light and you couldn't pass up two colossal painted necrotite green. And I'm like... Cool with me? And they thought it was cool. Do what you like and what you think is going to be interesting. Because that's what you should do. Because it's your damn army. Here's my Agrath Earthshade. That's how my sisters of battle ended up Kelly Green with gold armor and blue woad on their faces. And red hair. Because they were supposed to be basically this kind of Celtic civilization or whatever. That just happened to be sitting on a resource that the Emperor wanted. And... The, it was basically being hit by orcs all the time. And the orcs, for whatever reason, they just kept losing. And they said, wait a minute, these guys got like spears and slings. How the heck did we just get beat again? And maybe it's that blue stuff they were on their faces. So, so we'll do that. We'll put that on our faces too. Because I always like doing armies in pairs. So you got the main army and then this is the army that would kind of come next their opponents or whatever, and that that didn't work either. And what was happening is that basically Sisters of Battle were kind of pretending to be this blend-in, so to speak, with these guys. And over the course of centuries, whatever, they started to train some of the local women who showed promise and made them part of the, I think it was the Sisters of the Raven or something like that. And eventually, I that was my last 40k army, it was the Sisters of Battle with Imperial Guard allies they had kilts. They were riding giant uh, wolf dogs or wolfhounds. The sisters all had, again, the Kelly green. There was some plaid in, in places and some tartans. That was that was a blast. I absolutely loved that. They died. A lot. <laughs> a, lot. A, a lot. A lot. But, I mean, they for the, for the most part, you just paint what you want and how you want it. If you want a necrotite green army, go for it. If you want a polka dotted army, go for it. It is your army. You do you. Um, now, if you're looking for a competition and stuff like that, yeah, you're probably going to, you know, pay more attention to it because that's just, you know, a different thing that you're worried about. But for the most part, in all of us, 
It should be just no problem. John, your camera's froze, is what it is. Nope, that's your fault. Not my fault. Uh, I'm in the chat. I'm still on this. It, it, yeah, you're here. I mean, yeah, just something happened to your camera. Literally cannot be my camera. Or something, but yeah, your 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 video is froze uh, on this end. How about that? Oh, uh, he was moving, and now yeah, he's now he's moving. I've already again. switched uh, to a different. Yep. And now 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 his sound. Yeah, sorry, right. you probably got some just some video going. No big deal. John's there; he can hear us. Uh, yep. If he if he crashes, we'll worry about it. Um, that's actually not bad for us, considering we've had a lot of problems with XSplit, and this is kind of pushing it. Technically, with... it's Banyan's fault. Banyan quit streaming. Whatever he's doing is, I mean, this is twice in a couple weeks where my internet has just gone squicky at about the same time. <laughs> so, so, Banyan quit. Stop streaming the porn and let's go. <laughs> um, good here. My camera looks good, but it's still frozen on the video, so I don't know yeah. what to say. We can hear you. That's all that really matters. I mean, much better than Zoom. He should. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, um, so Jason Henley did want to put his hat into the uh, ring for the uh, necrotic ring plus tau equals space herpes. <laughs> that could be. Never know. I if it's this old camera. I could try the other camera. That's okay. I mean, you're, this is, we're not, I'm not worried about it. Just I mean, someone had mentioned it. Showing up, I might as well switch to their camera. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to. Yeah. Just whatever. Um. So when it comes down to it, you just play and paint. You just paint your army the way you want. Uh, don't let everybody pressure into it. Like I said, there, there's only a certain time that, excuse me, you may have to worry about that. And it's, you know, competition or historic, excuse me, historical accuracy type stuff. But for the most part, unless you're paid to do it, you just paint the way you want. Um, like uh, James right now is painting Song of Ice and Fire stuff. And he has to paint it towards um, Studio Scheme because this is being used for demos, right? Yep. So let's see. I don't know how well that shows up if there's reflections or not. So this is the this is the high sparrow here, and this is the the color scheme that I need to match. And it it's it's a great color scheme. Nothing wrong with it. But I know some people have taken their Varus miniature, and they've uh, actually gone in and they've made it a different color because he can work with different armies. Mm -hmm. So I've seen him purple. I've seen him white. I've seen him gold with red trim. I've also seen him in red. But this guy looks like he's just kind of wearing a white robe. So I just thought, okay, I would match that. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. You know, I have now to make it more interesting. I'm trying to get greens and yellows and other things in the mix here. And I've been using more of a purple gray on the back over here. And then I also tried to use the base. Because I knew it was going to be just a plain old white thing. I thought, well, if the base can be a little more interesting and maybe give it a splash... I did that there. Cersei, obviously, was the opposite thing. Now, she is usually shown as having a red dress. Let's see if I can get back to her here. So here's Cersei, and we'll see what she looks like. So this is typically, now she's painted. I said, well, okay, what if I made it more of a semi-translucent dress and gave it that sort of filigree stuff over the top of it? And then the base was, now the base color was more flat since her dress was going to be red. But I was able to mimic that same pattern that you see on where's my other on this guy right here. So you can see that pattern. That's gonna be here. So the pattern basically follows it. The lots of diamonds, I guess, because of the whole wealth of Casterly Rock type thing. <laughs> no, it's very legit. It's cool. Oh yeah. Um, if anybody has ever sat and watched James Paint, which he does a lot of videos and everything, he is amazing to watch paint guys uh just w as quickly as he does it too 
Uh, it is amazing. The, the next thing I need to see, James, is you and Dave Taylor painting stuff at the same time. Because <laughs> Dave Taylor is super quick, too. I don't know who's faster, though. Now let's see. I painted these two. We we started the the them these are these were basically primer before we started. Yep. So yeah, I don't I, I don't know. He's quick too, but that that's the next thing. We got to get you guys together at Adepticon or something. See who paints faster. <laughs> might create some kind of gravity well or some kind of time space continuum disruption. We might actually be we might actually finish those things before we start. <laughs> in which case, wait till next year. I'm gonna try and show up. I want to be there in person for that. Actually, we, if we we might do some kind of wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing, and we could have our armies done by 1989. <laughs> I was gonna say 88, but that's just because it's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you're picking up what I'm putting down with that. <laughs> picking it up and putting it down. So <laughs> there you go, guys. There's some ideas for uh, for paint tips, but the big one, and this is the number one, is don't hesitate to ask your community for ideas and also don't hesitate when they give you ideas to take them or leave them you know they're they're going to respond with their preference you can talk back and forth maybe they'll give you some good ideas give you some good constructive criticism and maybe something else will come from it you know and 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 don't hesitate to try stuff out you got to push the limits you know if you're using the same colors again and again and again that's cool if you like it it's all cool but you sometimes try something else out just give it a shot you know, but uh, there's a bunch of resources out there between the internet. You know, when I started working with these uh, bases for my uh, my Trogoths, I'm like, I've never done a cork base before. I, internet had plenty of stuff. You want to paint a color or anything, check the internet. There is a ton of resources. People love giving those out for free because the painting community and hobbying community is the best for just helping people out. Oh, there's so many Facebook pages dedicated to miniature painting specifics and just generic that you yep. could get tons. Of, and you could just go, hey, guys, I'm trying to figure out a paint scheme for these. Uh, can you give me ideas? And people were like, yeah, try this. Try this. Oh, I saw this one looked really cool. Watch streams. Watch videos. Ask for ideas. Read. Like, White Dwarf is back to being a real thing again. Like, read White Dwarf. I've learned so many painting tips that I've applied to many, many things just from reading a White Dwarf painting article on a totally unrelated model. If you like them, pick up some painting books. Borrow painting books from your buddies, you know. Someone in your group probably has half the painting books. You know, if you're like me, I mean, I don't paint that well, but uh, I do buy a lot of painting books here or there because I like to have that on, on hand because I know a lot more about painting than I can actually do. But someone's bound to have them. Ask for help. Just just ask your guys to... to for advice and help and all. Everyone's happy to help. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of people are willing to, you know, some people are going to say, hey, just put it in studio scheme, and you're like, uh, I want to do something different, and do what you want. But, but you'll learn, mean... you learn who to listen to and who not to. Like, you, yeah. you'll, you know, there are, are painters. Like, we have a buddy, my buddy the Jason, will go, like, you know, we come with a model, like, okay, do, do you want my opinion, or do you want constructive criticism? You know, he, he'll break it down. So I'll be like, oh, it looks fine. You can keep going with that. If you want constructive, constructive criticism, he will break down. You should do this. Look at this. Look at this. He'll go into some deeper stuff. Yeah, it, it all just depends. I mean, you just do what makes you happy and yeah. test models. That's something I've learned. With these towel, all of these little breacher team guys, um, I've got an excessive amount of them because I bought way too many. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to pull one out. I'm going to do a necrotite green one because y'all just suggested it because that's a... I love that color. That color's super legit. If you have an army that has the uh, <laughs> the juice boxes of models, as we like to call them, you know, like the uh, the easy to assemble Stormcast or you know Primaris or whatever, 
get one of those. They're really cheap and just test on those models. Let's see what I want to do. Let's see if it works. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just a couple of cheap models and you will love having the reference there for knowing how the paint interacts with what you're looking at. Yep. Especially to just, just go, well, the purple and green didn't go very well together, so I'm not going to do that. Well, sometimes you end up with your, you know, with, uh, you know, magenta and turquoise, like yeah. not push Dave's Space Marine armies, <laughs> who back in the day when you could make Space Marine stealthy, they were stealthy because it was funny. <laughs> what time are we hitting our media? Oh, we're actually a little late. We're, in, uh, yeah. we're a minute late on our media. So it's media section time. It's time to thank all of our sponsors, including Mechanica Studios, Muse on Minis, and of course, Arky Dan from Tectonic Craft Studios who specifically sponsors the media section in addition, to, in addition to us generally. And we have some giveaways for him eventually. Is that right, Gonzo? Uh, we actually have giveaways for, um, you know, it's funny as you say that. Um, Dan's going to, of course, be at Adepticon. So if you're going to there, tell him say hi. Tell him you said hi. Tell him you heard about us on, you know, More Than Dice. He'll like, really think us. Uh, because I messaged him and he's supposed to be sending us a bunch of things to give away uh, on the podcast and he was going to mail it. And I says, well, don't mail it. Let's save some money. I have some friends coming up to Adepticon. Just give them the box and they'll bring it to me. And he's like, cool. Uh, so he's yeah. going to give me a bunch of stuff to uh, paint up on air and give away to everybody. Uh, Mechanica Studios is going to have a few gift certificates for us pretty soon. Um, we just got stuff going on um, yeah. with that. Building the convention is, you know, a little bit of a thing. <laughs> and everything. Uh, also, we have new dice uh, that will be going uh, on uh, sale and to our patron subscribers. If you're one of our patron subscribers and you are at that level, I will be sending you a new die. Um, if not, uh, we will have dice sets available for you to buy um, that we will sell to you. Um, other than that, uh, check out our patron page. Um, I will be adding something new when it comes closer to summertime that is specifically for me. It'll probably be about another two months maybe before I add it, give or take. Or I may add it in a month and then just see who does it and go from there. Um, check us out on Facebook. If you're going to buy anything from Muson Minis, which they will be there at Adepticon, uh, make sure you can use uh, More Than Dice as a discount code. You get 10% off your order. And we do get something back in return for that, and that helps us out a lot because uh, we're trying to upgrade equipment and get new things going uh for y'all and get cooler things happening um mechanica studios of course he is working with us he's gonna give us some gift certificates pretty soon so we can have those to give away um other than that it is media section times john you said you had how many dos dos i think i said i had five really seven but two of them are whatever um are the tv series you're watching yep, every part of it, yep James, what do you have? Any media sections you want to talk about? Actually, the only media I've been watching is tons of Song of Ice and Fire battle reports to try and learn how to play the damn game. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, before we start that, I, I, we need to bring something up um, on a media section. I did see some news, and I know I'm kind of excited about it. Kathy's probably kind of excited about it. I don't know how John is because, you know, John's kind of, you know, way out there on weird stuff like that. Um, they're redoing Time Bandits as a TV show. The original writers and stuff. If you don't know what Time Bandits are, uh, it was a bunch of little people that went through time, picked up a kid on the way to find the ultimate treasure of power or whatever, and they just leaped through time stealing things, which Hopefully is actually... The next jump will be their last. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. It's pretty funny. So, I like Time Bandits. I'm interested. I will say, though, among geek culture, it is one of the more overrated movies. It is good and enjoyable. But somehow it is like 
climbed up to like be like, I'm bandits. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I think the reason why it jumped up there is because at that time it was so cool. I mean, it is really cool and really quirky. It is it is a John kind of movie, and I do like it. Yeah. And I'm interested in the TV show. I just one of those weird things. I'm like, when did this become a big thing? Yeah. What? It, it'll be interesting to see what happens on the uh, the TV show, which I'm it, interested it in. It is set up perfectly for a TV show format. Oh. It really, hopefully, and, we're live. Hopefully, we're back live again. Uh, we just crashed. Nothing we can do about it. Um, I don't see still, we weren't we didn't get a huge drop rate or anything. Everything still was going. Blunt just came back live as I hit the F five button, of course. Yep. Oh, and uh, that you, whatever you did made uh, the camera uh, restart my video. Yeah, it, it, it could have been what happened is whenever whatever happened to it locked up your video and then locked up everything else and went with it. Well, I mean, well, whatever locked up my video was a while ago, and that was yeah. It just like, weird. But yeah. So we're back. We're not back with Facebook yet. Uh, I'm not going to go back with Facebook because I have to redo a whole bunch of different things for that. Very good. For Facebook. So. Sorry, Facebook. Sorry, Facebook. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we were talking about uh, Suicide Squad is going to be a reboot. Uh, interesting. DC yep. gets to win the award for fastest reboot. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure it's a good idea, but uh, it's. I'm also not sure. It's, it, we'll see what it is, you know? Not really sure. Uh, also, Will Smith has a scheduling conflict, so he will not come back as... Uh, dead shot so they're gonna have to replace him with was that idris elba yes which i'm okay with sad sad no it's gonna be great because yeah. honestly it means they can hopefully change the mistakes before but those i think go more to show that dc i mean i hate to say this bluntly they have no fucking idea what they're doing they they half want to have the shared universe they half just want to have successful movies so we'll see what they do overall it'll be interesting it will be there. It's going to be interesting to see what's going on with everything. And how to be alive that, you know, one of the two major combo companies could have their movie franchises, you know, no one knows what's going on with them, and, and that's okay. So, uh, well, Miles just said we're on Facebook also, so I just lost the feed for it, but no worries. If we're on Facebook, you guys can see yeah, it. So. Cool, sweet. We should start getting into some movies since we just wasted 10 minutes. <laughs> we're back then. Don't know what happened. Just something that happens with us, guys. Can't do anything about it. Um, we're trying to make sure everything runs smooth. Something happened, but don't know what. Um, okay, so yeah, we just finished that. Um, I, I can do a real quick one. Uh, I watched, um, of course, Star Trek and um, the Orville. The Orville this week was good. They were back to the good funny that I liked. They had some good things going on. It was quite hilarious. Uh, good episode of Orville and, of course, a great episode of Star Trek Discovery. So there's that one right there. The oh, quick on and easy. The discovery note is uh, my ex roommate, Creekins, is actually going to try and find a way to float me her password or whatever so that I can watch it because she says I really need to. So. Oh, yeah, 100% you need to. And after living with me for two years, she really knows my uh, my my taste. So yeah. it'll be good to see. We'll see um, if that works. I also got a message back from my friend uh, about the special Star Wars miniature, X Wing miniature that's going to be at Adepticon with the alternate faint scheme Vulture class droid fighter. Okay. Let me check with Give a Shinometer. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> for people who want to play droids, cool, but not for me. All right, um, my first movie. I'll go with my first one. Um, all a bunch of these are Netflix guys because I just put it on to uh, I could do things, and I watched a movie called Io. Um, Io is about um, we've all left planet Earth because we've destroyed it, except for a few select people. So it's it's Io as in the moon of uh, was that Jupiter or Saturn? Yeah, Saturn. yeah, um, and that's where that's where they went. Uh, to live, um, and um, it's boring as fuck. 
happy sigh gave it away. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I like a good, you know, sci-fi movie and stuff and everything. And another reason why I hate it was ambiguous endings. I hate ambiguous endings. Oh, you you can you 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 interpret the ending however you want. No, fuck you. Give me a story. Give me an so, ending. Was I, it like I, slow, like Star Trek: The Motion Picture, or was it worse? Well, okay. For the first like twenty minutes, not a single the one person that's in the movie does not say a single thing, but does everything through voiceover. Um, and it's yeah. And, and the the thing is, is they're going. This girl's going through these wreckages, the wreckage of the city. And she can't be in there because it's got toxic toxic levels um, in the um, atmosphere. But high above the mountain, she can breathe no problem. So she can just, you know, not wear her mask there. Um, and so there's, you know, this whole thing. And um, this other person finds her and tells her, hey, we need your father to come up here to go to the planet because we need him up there. And, you know, all the spaceships that are left on Earth are about to leave because they found another planet that's like Earth and they're going to use those to get to that planet. Um, and I'm like, okay, kind of cool concept. I'm all in on this. And it was very slow-paced. It was boring. Of course, there's got to be a love interest and sex in it. And I'm just like... And then the ending was like, okay, no... Because the ultimate goal was life on Earth is adapting to what is happening on Earth. Okay. I get that. It's a cool concept. Um, but humans can't. Um, and so I'm going to go and spoil it. Uh, at the end, they leave it open. Uh, the girl in the poison environment uh, takes off her helmet to try to adapt to a poisonous environment. Uh, of course, that doesn't. that's not how adaptation works. It doesn't happen instantaneous. <laughs> And and so she dies, but at the end of the show, you show her walking on a beach because she said she wanted to walk on a beach with a child, which is the child of the guy that was there. And I'm like, and and I'm like, wait a minute. She died. There's There's no way a human being. But of course, we are different because we adapt quickly like that. And so I looked it up and I was like, the the director and writer says, well, we're leaving it up to you on how the ending's supposed to happen. I'm like, no, fuck you. Give me an ending. I'm tired of that crap. That to me is lazy storytelling. You can do it when you when you make it completely nonsensical, like you know, like 2001. Inception. Inception. Yeah. That that's why like, I could see is that. Is it or not? Yeah, that's an understandable like, one. Yeah, but any case, uh, it sounds like four. Four pass. Don't go. Don't watch it. If you got it on your queue, kick it off. Well, luckily both my movies are way better than four. Uh, I'm going to start in reverse order. Today I decided after getting my lunch, I wanted to watch The 13th Warrior. Oh! So, I did. so The 13th Warrior is uh, basically the story of Beowulf made quasi-realistic. Um, it, it's Overall, it is realistically portrayed through most of it. There's a couple things that are like, that's not really, but it's it's none of them are important. You know, it has a lot of great scenes. Uh, I have no idea why this movie is not more popular than it is. I, I love 13th Warrior. I saw it in a theater and I was like, this was badass. But it did not. That came out in the 90s, didn't it? Yeah. It was like 95, I think I saw. I think I saw that in the theaters, actually. So, I mean, the director the director didn't do much else. He's only the director of Predator and Die Hard. <laughs> and the guy who's responsible for writing the script, he's a nobody. Just some guy named Michael Crichton. What? He hasn't done anything. No, he hasn't done shit. But literally, it is Beowulf sort of updated to be sort of 
quasi-realistic, and it's very cool. Um, there's a lot of characters, because obviously Antonio Banderas is the 13th warrior, mm-hmm. so there's 12 others. You don't get to know them all very well, and it's okay. Um, it's a very tight movie, because it's only about an hour and 40 long, which is good. It doesn't spend time on any needless stuff. Um, the action scenes are all pretty quick and brutal. Yep. And uh, it, it's just a good movie, good, enjoyable movie. Again, I don't know why it got negative reviews. I don't know why it's just not bigger than it is. Maybe it just came out at the wrong time. Uh, nowadays, a movie like that would come out and it would be literally, you know, an all-star cast and it would blow up the box office. Oh, yeah. And, and really, it is sort of like, it's across, it's sort of across, it's Beowulf, but it's also smacks a little bit of Magnificent Seven. It has that sort of men on a mission brought together to do something sort of theme, too. Uh, very cool, very enjoyable. Antonio Banderas is great in it. Um, I would say most of the acting jobs are very good. Um, there are obviously a couple plot threads that don't go anywhere, but considering how quick it is, it's it's okay. And uh, enjoyable, I was just watching it. I'm going to give it the... It almost feels unfair to give it, but I'm going to give it one space therapy. It is, you know, a couple points and a couple plot dropped plot threads and all that you're like, this is not perfect, but man, it is a really, really good time. Yes, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. That one... It was a sleeper hit for me whenever, and I own it on DVD or Blu-ray, I don't know which one, yeah. and it, it it's it's good. Uh, it, it comes on, and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this, because it's the characters are really cool, uh, the Norse, uh, the the religious aspect of it, you know, all it's, that stuff, it's just good. It's not a big deal, it's like, you know, he's an Arab, and he's, you know, worships a different mm-hmm. sect of God, it's not a big deal in the movie, no. either way. It's great. He's an Arab. He's an Arab. He's different. That's about as far as it goes. He makes some jokes because he's smaller than them and woof, 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 smaller. Woof. But that's about yeah. <laughs> barking at the dog, at the horse, like it's it's, it's small. Yeah. But it, it avoids all the norm, all all the normal pitfalls of sort of a fish out of water type of thing. It doesn't become hateful or angry at any point. It's just a good, solidly made movie. Yes. Very good. Very cool. A lot of good lines in there too. Yes. Um, highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Absolutely. I don't know if it's free anywhere. I own it on DVD. Um, consider it on Blu-ray for a better transfer. Yeah. Uh, next movie I watched was called Occupation. Uh, Occupation is an Australian film where aliens come down and try to occupy the area. Uh, it's an all-Australian cast, it looks like. Um, and it's another Netflix series, or a Netflix show. Um, started watching it. Uh, and it starts off pretty fast. Um, there's some pretty bad, you know, stereotypes, like the two ru- uh, rugby teams. Uh, I can't remember what one of them was, but one was Team Drop Bears. And I was like, it was just totally, completely stereotypes um, of everything, so I was laughing at it. Um, but these aliens come down and start capturing everybody, shooting everybody up, you know, start killing everybody. Um, and these people escape, uh, which I think is interesting because I don't know the actor's name. The guy that played Django Fett is in it. Um, I don't know the actor's name either. Yeah, but yeah, he's driving his RV, and I'm talking a clunky piece of junk RV down the road, and this alien fighter comes at him from down the road and shoots him, and he dodges the laser bullets with his RV. Okay. <laughs> he swerves his RV to dodge a laser blast coming at him, and I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be good, and good in the wrong ways. <laughs> Uh, and it was bad. Uh, plot holes out the yin yang. The story goes nowhere. They skip around a lot. It has no 
inkling of what it wants to do and how it wants to do it. Um, special effects were badish. Um, bad yeah, it, it, they they tried. You can tell this was very low budget. Um, like they tried to put on like the guy took the alien ma- the mask off the alien and is like, oh, I'm gonna put this on so I can see what the aliens see, and that makes the whole plot. And I'm like, what? I'm like. How would we know that that would work? And of course, they pick up alien weapons and they know how to use it, and you're know, right off the bat. And, of course. Uh, and eventually, they fight the aliens, and the aliens, you know, in their area surrender. And they were like, All right, now here's the thing we can live together, or we can kill you, and you can work with us or against us. So, what do you want to do? Oh, we'll work with you. A- you know, the aliens will work with you now to stop the yeah, other alien. Yeah, I'm like, This sucked. It was another bad, bad, bad movie. Uh, totally skip it. Um, the best part of it is watching an RV dodge laser fire. That right there. I just, I, I stopped, I rewound it. I said, did that thing just dodge? And it was like a dodge like whenever you saw Han Solo's head dodge in Star Wars. Uh, when he did that. And I, it was like that. I was like, what? Rewind. Yeah, that fucking RV. He swerved that RV to dodge a laser blast coming at him. I want that reaction time. Um, so skip it, boys and girls. Uh, it sounds like four, five, four. Yeah. Four. All right. Well, uh, my, my next movie is the one I watched earlier. I watched Saturday is actually in the opposite spectrum of the scale. Um, I found out a couple weeks ago that, uh, it was available as a cool collector's steel book. And I was very disappointed that I did not know about this beforehand. So I bought it immediately. And that would be a little movie called the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across <gasps> the eighth dimension. Oh, that's a classic. It is. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies, and you always get worried after a couple of years. Like, I haven't seen it in a little bit. Actually, uh-huh. I guess I haven't seen it in a couple of years. You know, is it still going to hold? It still holds up. It is still that quirky, perfect John movie. Um, and in fact, in fact, I noticed a bunch of different extra things. I probably could have spent the whole media section talking about just this movie, but I won't. But it is good. All the characters are likable or despicable as it needs to be. Um Christopher Lloyd's a little underused as uh, John Big Boote, <laughs> and uh, or Big Boot, or however you want to pronounce his last name. Boote. <laughs> He's a little underused, uh, but John Lithgow chews the fucking scenery. Oh my god. He turned his performance all the way up to 11, and it is glorious. Um it's got a lot of... It's not like a huge cast. It's Peter Weller in the main. You got much more uh, larger uh, names as villains rather... Or recognizable people as villains rather than heroes. Uh, I guess the next biggest cast was really Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Who plays uh, New Jersey, who's a you know doctor. And it, it's got that sort of... What I imagine is that Doc Savage sort of feel. It's, it's I know it was supposed to be sort of like a modern sort of Doc Savage type of thing, you know? <clears throat> Buckaroo Banzai is, you know, a jack of many trades and master of a couple of those. You know, he's a brilliant neurosurgeon. He knows how to fight. He's, you know, designed the jet car, which can drive through mountains. <laughs> Oscillation overthruster. And, I mean, it's just an enjoyable movie. They got a lot of good banter. They don't explain everything because you don't need to. They leave you wanting more. It feels like it's part of a bigger universe, and you want more of it. Uh, for our understanding, there was supposed to be. There was actually a comic. That came out there's that explained more of it. In movies, I mean, there's been movies. There's been talk of more movies, reboots, and whatever. I think uh, J.D. Richter, who is the uh, writer, actually finally got the rights back and is thinking about trying to do something else. But there's been comics, there's been books, there's been a bunch of extra stuff. 
but uh, it's it's hard because it's it's it feels like it should have been a bigger series, not just one movie. Yeah. But we never got it. Um, the funny thing I noticed, I'll just mention through this, is I've got the sort of comical uh, Secretary of Defense who serves up in the beginning and then shows up in the end when they assault Yo-Yo Dine. And what I never realized beforehand is every time it's like he's got one or two of those uh, electroid guards with him and he gets away from him and gets further into the building. I'm like, and none of them want to let him go. I'm like, I think this guy's actually a secret badass, which totally goes against his character or it's a just minor plot hole I just noticed. But I'm like, what is he doing to get past all these guys? But Venture Buckaroo Banzai, he's got a lot of great lines, great banter, uh, good cast. Uh, it is my favorite movie with uh, Clancy Brown in it. As Rawhide, he's sort of Buckaroo's second. I uh, really enjoy his... Uh, he's not in a lot, but the performance he does is great. I, I would say most of the actors do a good, solid job in this. They're all a little quirky in all the right ways. But, uh, I mean, this is going to shock no one. This is zero shot to crack, and this is <laughs> literally a classic to me. Yeah. Uh, this and, and, and uh, Big Trouble in Little China are, like, two of the near and dear to my heart quirky movies that I just love unabashedly. Oh, yeah. So I would check it out. It was on... Uh, it was on uh, Amazon Prime a couple years ago. I don't know if it still is, but uh, Shot Factory still has a couple left of the limited edition steel books if you care enough to buy it on Blu-ray and Steelbook. It's got a whole extra disc of special features I have not watched yet, but I will soon-ish. Um, I just said out chat that uh, Xander said that he saw the Ninja Game I was talking about, uh, which is uh, Sekiro. Uh, yes, it does go It does uh, do go back to the Tenchu uh, secret, the Stealth Assassin. A lot of people are playing that game like an Assassin game, too. Because you can do it, because you can flip around and do a lot of weird things. Um, so just to answer his question. Um, my last one is another Netflix movie called First Light. Um, First Light is an alien movie um, where these alien creatures come down at the first light of day or whatever. Uh, that's when they're seen. Um, the story is the these two teenage couples... One guy likes the other girl. The girl kind of doesn't like him. She kind of gets, I don't want to say abducted, uh, but she uh, gets taken over by an alien. Um, and they had some pretty cool special effects. Um, they took a truck and ripped it in half and like pulled it. Like they you know, picked it up and pulled it away from someone and it folded in on itself pretty much. When they pulled it away and it was an actual truck. It wasn't CGI. So I was like, that's cool. Um, yeah. Getting away from the CGI and doing an actual truck being kind of squished together, you know, folded, was kind of neat. Um, different special effects that happened. Um, it wasn't a bad movie. Um, it's something to put on to watch, you know, just for something different, something new. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Um, they do a little bit of talking about the aliens. Uh, there's a little bit of weird things that happen that they're... There's some plot holes. Don't get don't get me wrong. Um, and there's there's you some said things. Not a bad movie. You didn't say a good movie. Correct. Um, there's some good lines in there. Some cool things that happen. Um, music was pretty decent. It was just a decent movie. I mean, it's not something you know you would you know rush out to go see. But if you got some spare time and it's not very long, that was only like an hour thirty, hour forty uh, type thing. Um, but it was pretty decent. Um, had some decent stuff in it. Some really cool special effects. Um, Maybe pushing a three space herpes, but other than that, it wasn't bad. Hmm. So. It's funny, guns, that you watch all these Netflix movies, but you didn't watch the one that I want to watch. Which was Triple Frontier. I haven't watched it one yet. It's on my it's on my list. I just had those were on there a lot longer, so I was trying to get oh. rid of them. All right, Gonzo, we got two weeks. 
I'll get Triple Frontier in. I'll get it in too. Yeah, because we're. I heard we need to get that one in. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard good stuff. I want to see it because it's got a lot of actors I like in it. And I'm supposed to get rid of Polar, so I'll get rid of that one. Yes, get rid of. I mean, if you didn't watch it over your vacation, you're not going to spend the time watching it now. Oh yeah. I mean, it's better than you know, kind of better than some of the movies you just said, but not much. Kind of better than a sharp stick in the eye. It is better than a sharp stick in the eye. Okay. Um, guys, that is the episode. Uh, of course, we will not be na- back next week. Uh, next week, Kathy is uh, coming back from Adepticon, and we're going to take that week off. Uh, and But when she gets back, Kathy will be giving us her review of what happened at Adepticon, and we will review of what happened there, too, because I know there's a ton of things that happened and ton of things yep. that are going to happen. A lot of companies are, view- are using it to uh, drop their news, which is awesome. Um, I know that Privateer Press is releasing a ton of of models, the next three months worth of models are going to be there um, for pre for pre release, um, and then some uh, special ones that are releasing early. GW um, has a early seminar on what's coming out, which would be cool. Yep, I'm sure most companies are at least going to drop some news at that time. It's a great time to drop news. Oh yeah, usually everybody drops something to say what's going to be. Um, we want to also thank James for coming on uh, because of Kathy's being sick um, and having him come in and paint. And talk about stuff. We really appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having me on. Of Any course. Time. Go Any and time. check out J- James's stuff. He paints really, really awesome and really, really good. And he's got some really good tutorials and stuff going on on his pages. Um, other than that, for More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Jim. And we are... Good night. The credits are rolling. Check that out, guys. We have credits. What? Actual credits. Oh, my God. Look, actual credits with actual names of people that are in the chat. Oh, my God. Just there. That's it. (laughs) That's the whole credit? That's the whole thing because it's got a problem with it that is not helping people out. Look, here it comes. For some reason, it's not picking up our subscribers. Just, I mean, I find it hilarious that I'm the only name on it. I know, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't work great. <laughs>